there are two passages, John 14, um, starting at verse 15 to 27. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will be, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, reading from Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Spring Garden uh, on uh, this uh, Pentecost Sunday. And today is uh, Pentecost Sunday. It's a year that we celebrate uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' disciples. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with where the Bible passage that uh, Myrna just read for us, if you're unfamiliar with where it fits in, uh, I want to give some uh, context because I don't want to assume that everybody knows uh, where that story uh, comes. So, after Jesus died... Don't worry, I'm not going back to like in the beginning. I'm just going to go back to when Jesus died. And then he rose to life in his resurrection. He then appeared to a number of his followers. And then 40 days later, he ascended into heaven to the right hand of God the Father. And we're going to talk a little bit more of this ascending of Jesus in a few minutes. 
But before Jesus left them, he reminded them of the promise that the Holy Spirit would come, and he told them to wait in Jerusalem. And then he ascended. A short time later, during the Jewish festival called Shavuot, which I'm sure I pronounced completely wrong, Shavuot, um, this is also known as the festival of Pentecost. And this is a time when many Jews would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And it was during this festival when Jesus' disciples were all together. And as we heard, this is an artistic's, art, artist's rendering of what happened. Uh, the disciples were all together. And there was a blowing sound like a violent wind that filled the house. And what appeared to be tongues of fire separated and rested on each of them. And this group of people who spoke mostly Aramaic and a little bit of Greek were now amazingly, they were suddenly out in the street speaking all kinds of other languages. And this event is often thought of as the birthday of the church, as uh, Victoria mentioned in her prayers. This is a beginning of a new era when the followers of Jesus were sent out into the nations to bring good news about Jesus. Except instead of a cake with birthday candles that you blow out, this birthday party where the disciples were the living lights who were filled with the Spirit of God and sent out to be lights in the darkness. Having spent, having spent the last seven weeks in the Gospel of John, uh, looking at the seven ways that Jesus revealed himself uh, with the phrase, I am the dot, 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 I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, etc. I thought that we would celebrate Passover today uh, by looking at, in the Gospel Passover, Pentecost, I thought we'd celebrate Pentecost today by looking at how in the Gospel of John, who Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is a continuation of I am, but now um, he, it, she is. Let's pray. God, we invite you into this time. We ask, Holy Spirit, as we draw the good news of your presence in and amongst us, may you draw us deeper into the truth of who you are as you reveal the truth of Jesus to us all to the glory of our Heavenly Father. Amen. So as Myrna read, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus said this to his closest disciples on the night that he was about to be betrayed. In fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus told his disciples a lot of things that night. In our Bibles, it is five chapters. Five chapters of Jesus teaching and sharing. 13 chapters, 13 to 17 of the Gospel of John. And this was his way of preparing them for the time that was to come. The time when he would no longer be with them. Though he knew they wouldn't understand a lot of what uh, he was going to say until after he had risen from the dead. Um, he still wanted them to know it. 
And all through the section that includes the washing of, disciple, of the disciples' feet, the t- uh, teaching and prayer, Jesus weaves a few themes throughout. One of these themes are his promises about the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about today. And another is the theme of what we talked about last week, the theme of obeying Jesus' commands as the living out of our love for him. And these themes interweave, they come in and they go out. They're, it's like a tapestry that is woven of many different threads that make one cohesive picture. So Jesus is weaving a picture of what it means to be his disciples once he has ascended to the Father and is no longer physically present with them on earth. Now, weaving in and out of these chapters, Jesus speaks about the coming of the Holy Spirit because the coming of the Holy Spirit is integral to all of the rest of being Jesus' disciples. And there are two titles or descriptors that Jesus gives in this passage for the Holy Spirit. In the New International Version of the Bible, in John 14, verses 6 to 17, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as an advocate and as the Spirit of truth. First, we'll talk about this word, advocate. The word in the original Greek language for advocate is the word paraclete. Now, if you were raised in certain traditions, you may have heard that term used, as there are a lot of traditions that it's quite common to refer to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. For those of you who aren't familiar with the word, I want to highlight that it is the Holy Paraclete, not the Holy Parakeet. Here's a picture of the Holy Parakeet uh, blessing you uh, with the sign of uh, the sign of blessing. If it was Parakeet, uh, we wouldn't see we wouldn't see depictions of G- uh, the Spirit as a dove. You know, like in here, when Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit would have descended on him as a parakeet instead of as a dove. Although, of course, if it was a parakeet, that might explain why communion for so many Christian traditions, uh, a lot of Christians like to have crackers for communion, I guess, with the whole parakeet thing. But uh, anyways, this word paraclete, you can get rid of that now, Dale, thanks. The word paraclete is translated uh, into a few English words. I mean, it's like a lot of Greek words. It doesn't translate super well into a single English word. That's why a lot of our translations are different from one another. Um, and I'd love to know what those of you who read uh, in, in a translation that's not English, uh, how this word is translated into your uh, languages and the, and the emphasis that it gives in, in your language. This word uh, in Eng- English is, can be translated as counselor or advocate. As a counselor, though, it is more like a legal counselor. It is legal counsel, not kind of like a marriage counselor kind of counsel- counselor. Um, sometimes this word is translated as a comforter. Uh, which is like, you know, a warm, fuzzy blanket. But that actually, you'll notice that most recent translations will never use the word comforter because that is not actually what connoted in this word at all. That being said, while the Holy Spirit does bring us comfort, and we can find that in other places in Scripture, this is not the place we can find that. And I recognize I've been saying that a lot 
lately. Uh, it's amazing how many times we assume, we assume things that aren't actually there. But anyway, the Holy Spirit as a paraclete is a counselor or an advocate in the sense of someone who is called to help, to give assistance, to give strength, help, and aid, to advocate for people, to speak on people's behalf. Carrie Wright is a paraclete. For those of you who don't know her, she is a part of our community, and she is an immigration lawyer. As an immigration lawyer, Carrie is someone who is called to help others, to speak on their behalf before the courts, to advocate for them, to help them, and in turn, they give, she gives them strength through support. Oh, Carrie... So it's funny, actually, Carrie and James randomly showed up at our house uh, uh, yesterday just to say hi, and, um, and uh, I told her I was going to make a joke that, you know, as a follower of Jesus, she's a saint, right? So you could say that she, Carrie is a holy paraclete, but then I decided I wouldn't do that joke or, or make any memes with her descending from heaven or anything like that, uh, because I thought some people might think it was sacrilegious, but uh, anyway, I thought it would be funny. You can vote on whether that would be sacrilegious or not and send me your angry emails but, well, or your f- supportive emails. <laughs> well, here in the Gospel of John, the author calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete. In verse 16, he also says, um, of course, I can't find verse 16. It's, it's not in my Bible anymore. In verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So this suggests that there's actually a second advocate, because you wouldn't say sending another advocate uh, unless there is another one, a second paraclete. So elsewhere in the New Testament, the same author of the Gospel of John, John, uh, in the letter of creatively named 1 John, John writes this, uh, John, 1 John chapter 2, first verse. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a paraclete with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus himself is also our advocate, our paraclete. And this is where Jesus' ascension comes into the picture. As I mentioned, after Jesus dies and then rises again, for 40 days he shows the disciples that he is truly alive. He eats fish and all kinds of normal human things to show that he's physically alive and all kinds of divine things like appearing suddenly in rooms and things like that. And then after this time, he ascends to the Father's side. And the Bible tells us a number of things about why Jesus ascends to heaven rather than staying here on earth. And one of these reasons is to be the paraclete, so that he can intercede on our behalf to the Father in heaven. Now, those of you who watch Games of Thrones, you will be familiar with this image that the Bible gives us of this. It's an image of a royal court where God, the king, Uh, God the Father, the King, is sitting on the throne. And beside the throne is the King's right-hand man. That's Jesus. 
And when people come into the king's court to plead to the king to receive their judgment, Jesus gives counsel, counsel, he advocates to the king, and he advocates on behalf of those who comes. Now, this is going to be a little oversimplified, but essentially, Jesus counsels the king by saying, I know this person, you know, did some pretty bad stuff, and that the judgment of sin is supposed to be death. But I've already paid the price for them, and they are forgiven. And God, the Father, the King, says, awesome. I love them so much, so I pronounce them forgiven. They're my beloved child. They're free of all debt. So let's go party. So that's kind of essentially what's happening. Jesus is advocating to the Father, and the Father receives that counsel and passes on that judgment of forgiveness and of love. Now, there's more to it than that, but that is the basic concept. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus ascended. Another reason is what John tells us in uh, chapter 16, verse 7. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, this verse um, often left me confused because uh, it seems to say that the Holy Spirit can't come if Jesus is there, as if the two of them can't be in the same space. It's, you know, it's like those family arguments in TV shows where one says, hey, can you tell dad that I think he's a jerk? And then the person has to tell dad. You know, it's not like that kind of a thing. Uh, Sorry, I just lost my <laughs> So we, we know that this doesn't make sense, that they can't be in the same room together. Because one, in Jesus' baptism, the parakeet, I mean the paraclete, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and was with Jesus all throughout his ministry. And not only to mention that, there was also, has never been a time in all of eternity where they didn't exist together. So why, for this period of time, can't they be in the same space? Now, I think the best way that I've found to understand that is that there are layers and layers of God's promises that are being fulfilled in this moment. And this, this picture of Jesus going so the Spirit can come helps us to understand these promises and their fulfillment. Throughout the Old Testament, prophets uh, and also in first century uh, contemporary teach- teachings by the rabbis in the first century, God made promises that God's spirit would come in a new and a profound way. That there would be a new era, a new age of God's spirit that would be ushered in at the right time. Uh, one such promise is in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your old heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. There's that same theme of 
of obedience and following commands tied in with the spirit that I mentioned. You will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. God promises that at the fullness of time, a Messiah would come and usher in God's kingdom. And this new era would be marked by God's spirit coming in a new and a powerful way. And so Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life inaugurates God's kingdom on earth in his life and his death and his resurrection. And then he ascends to the Father, not leaving us alone without someone to be our advocate like, like abandoned orphans. But instead, with his ascending, the Spirit of God comes down, starting this new age and giving birth to the church. And this advocate Instead of advocating on our behalf to the Father, like Jesus the Advocate does, this Advocate speaks on Jesus' behalf to us, on Jesus' behalf to the world, and on our behalf to the world. Now, this other name that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit is, of course, interwoven into this idea of Advocate. It's the title he calls him, calls the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And what is the truth? Well, the Sunday school answer, of course, it's got to be Bible or Jesus, right? It's Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Jesus reveals the true nature of God the Father. Jesus reveals the true nature of life and abundance through sacrifice and servanthood. This is the truth. And so Jesus as the truth Therefore, the spirit of truth is that spirit of Jesus who reveals Jesus, who is the truth, to us and to the world. John 14, 25. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to read for you a few of the places that Jesus uses uh, these terminologies in the Gospel of John. John 14, 25. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. John 15, 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And then John 16, 13 to 15. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And if some of that he will make known to me and pass this, I'll pass this to him and he'll pass that to this, is all just this picture of this inner working of the, the, the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who all with the same will are sending and speaking on and one another and on behalf of one another. The way that the world will know that we are Jesus' disciples is by our love. By the way we live out the truth of Jesus and obeying his commands. 
And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, guides us into that truth, speaks to us the truth of who Jesus is, reminds us of all that Jesus is, taught and did, and teaches us even the things that Jesus hadn't yet taught his disciples. Jesus came to reveal God to us, and the Holy Spirit came to reveal Jesus to us and to the world. Now, of course, for Jesus' friends, it would have been pretty hard to imagine how it could be better that Jesus wasn't going to be with them anymore. Now, quite frankly, when I am discouraged, when I'm tired of holding on to faith in something that I can't touch or see, I feel like it would be better to have Jesus right here, that I could touch him, I could see him face to face, that like Mary at the empty tomb wanting to hold on to him, wanting to cling to him and keep him from leaving. But we can't cling on to Jesus. Well, we can't cling on to Jesus like that. Not right now anyway. The ascension reminds us that Jesus isn't ours to hold on to in the sense of keeping for ourselves. Of keeping him for ourselves so that he's limited to one space, to one group, to one church, to one understanding, to one theology or dogma or doctrine. Jesus isn't ours to keep for ourselves, but Jesus is for the world. Yes, he is ours and we can cling to that, but he is everyone's. And the spirit of truth falls upon us to open our minds, hearts, souls, and bodies, the fullness of who we are to see and to know the truth, to remind us of the goodness of God and the wonders of Jesus, to put this good message on our lips that we, filled with the Spirit of God, would be led out into the streets to proclaim Jesus, the light of the world, the bread of life, the good shepherd, the gate, the resurrection, and the life, the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit in 14:17 The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The world does not accept what cannot be seen. It could not accept Jesus and it cannot accept the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept the reality of sin and of righteousness and judgment because it does not believe in Jesus or the spirit of truth. It does not believe because Jesus is no longer here. It does not believe because the prince of this world, the enemy, has led the world to judge by appearances. But God, as we know, judges by the heart. And Jesus himself said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What the world is not able to see, we are only able to know and recognize because the spirit of truth abides with us and will be in us and has made us able to see. That we have this amazing gift of the continual presence of God's very self through the Holy Spirit dwelling amongst us, living with us and in us, speaking and teaching, guiding us into all truth. It is a gift poured out to be received, and it is a gift poured out to be shared. 
poured out upon us, not that we would stay safely in our upper rooms, but to send us out bearing witness to the world of the unseen yet unfailing reality of God's continual presence through the spirit of truth. And God's desire is that everyone, everyone in the world would, be, would receive the Spirit and see the truth of Jesus. In the book of Acts, where we hear the story of the Holy Spirit falling upon the disciples and sending them out into the streets, speaking in tongues of different languages, the excitement and wonder of that moment causes some people to ask, what does this mean? It, it, it piques people's interest, of course. They want to know what is going on. But others, of course, are just saying, well, they just had too much wine to drink. And amazing as this moment was, it wasn't the point of what the Spirit, the, the, the speaking in languages wasn't the point of what the Spirit was doing. Once the crowd was asking, what does it mean, Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, went on to share this vision of the prophet Joel. Acts 2, 17 and I just realized I forgot to mark that in my Bible, but fortunately I have it in my notes. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And John's words about the advocate comes to fruition, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father will testify about me, and you also must testify. Yes, the crowds were amazed by the speaking in tongues, but they were changed and transformed by hearing the message of Jesus. They were only able to receive the good news because the spirit of truth guiding Jesus' followers, sending the disciples into the streets. They were able to receive the good news because of the Holy Spirit speaking in their hearts, convicting them of what could not be seen but can be known. It's hard to believe with the spectacle of people speaking in different languages that the real miracle here is that those who could not see now see. Those who could not hear now hear. And this is the work of the unseen Holy Spirit convicting, leading, guiding, and advocating. And this is the work of the Spirit that, that this is the work that the Spirit continues today. All of the gifts of the Spirit whether speaking in tongues, service, wisdom, hospitality, they all are to point to Jesus. They all are to draw all people to Jesus. These gifts are not gifts just for themselves, but they are for drawing us and everyone to know Jesus. That the Father would be glorified in the world. This is the same spirit who, as Colin read uh, from the book of Romans, helps us in our weakness. Who, when we do not know what we ought to pray for, that intercedes for us through wordless groans. It is the same spirit who, when we don't know what to say, will give us the words. The same spirit who gives us new hearts of flesh, who bears the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is the same spirit of truth who draws our eyes to the one who is truth, Jesus the Christ. The perfect revelation of God the Father, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always for us and always with us in ways that we cannot even begin to give words to. So let's place our hope in that and welcome this gift of God's Spirit. Let's pray. Not only in a spark, but in a raging flame. Not only in a drop, but in a mighty flood. Holy Spirit, fall on us, wash over us. That by your presence in, your presence with, and your presence amongst us, that Jesus would be glorified in our lives and in the lives of those around us. That the church that you birthed would proclaim Jesus, would live out the love of God in the world. Amen.